Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling in the butt! Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTontis. I am bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Welcome showtime. to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. I know it's Thursday, but Bill Cooksey, Jeff Foles, good to have y'all back. How are y'all? I'm well, and it's good to good, be back. Good, man. Good. Wet up here, but yeah, I'm well and happy because the Blues won. There. <laughs> Bill was in Washington last week advocating for a lot of different things, and a lot of different works that, that needs to be put into conservation. And Jeff, celebrating the Blues victory last night, man, that was that was a big deal. Big deal, biggest deal in fifty-two years for the for the Blues. We never won it. We got the you know, and uh, the rookie goal uh, goaltender he uh, set a record last night: sixteen wins, and uh, yeah, so in the playoff games, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, the man, yeah, we had a really, it was awesome. And winning it, and I won't lie to you, winning it in Boston wasn't a bad deal either. You know, but, uh, yeah, St. Louis was loaded. The Bush Stadium was loaded full of the baseball stadium. They were out of town, so the baseball stadium uh, sold out crowd in there to watch it on the big screen. You know, in every place I think in St. Louis was. So I'm sure to be major celebrations down there today. The the Boston people didn't handle the loss too well. <laughs> no, no, it was, you know, it's a typical deal. It's like the Red Sox when they are, you know, when we played them too, you know, I mean, whatever, with the Cardinals. But, it, you know, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're pretty good at the booing, you know. I thought it was, you know, I get the booing part and all that, and you're mad, your team's at home and you lost and all that there, you know. But, uh, you know, when they went to hand out the Stanley Cup and all that, they booed, you know, I thought that was pretty low of them, you know, but whatever. So. Yeah, but the last man standing was all the Blues players on the ice. So and, and so that was yeah. So bottom yeah, line is the, you lost. Deal with it. Move on. Is the is the water dropping? Is it starting to go back down a little bit? It started to. It's this now. It's uh, it's dropped about two foot in the last four days or so. And uh, now I can see grass on my shop here where. And my signs out of water were, you know, I had water right up to it. And we had a sandbag and all that. But uh, the levees all broke across from us. There's in the waiting. We sat on an island, like I think I told you before. There's three ferry boats in here and uh, and a bridge. And the levee broke on the other side of the bridge. So we had, there's no way in or out. The ferries are all shut down. There's no way in but job boats. And it's a steady string of them. And 
I'm actually running like a Uber service, carting people back and forth, you know, <laughs> across the river to their other cars on the other side. So, yeah, can, it's, uh, can, can I get I you on my app? Excuse me? Can I get you on my Uber you on app? app? No. no, no, well, not yet. But I keep going. <laughs> I'm getting ready to get big time with this, mate. So, yeah. No, it's uh, uh, actually just trying to help the people out. You know, most of the people that live here work in the city, and they just go across the Mississippi River into St. Louis in a ferry boat every day, so it's pretty close for them. Well, now that 40-minute route is like almost two hours for them, and if they had to go around this county and get in by the only bridge that is open is about four hours. So they parked their vehicles on the other side. The water went bluff to bluff here, you know, when the levee broke. And uh, anyway, now they got the vehicles parked on the other side, so... I'm up at 4 o'clock, and at 10 to 5, we're in the boat and headed across the river. And uh, back, and at 6.30, got another crew. And today, I got another one at 3, and picked, picked some up at 5.30, and another one at 8.30 and at night. And, yeah, so quite uh, an ordeal. I, I was in St. Louis the end of last week and flying in and out and, and seeing that water. Uh-huh. I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, from the air, you really get perspective on it. and. Right. It's, yeah, it's uh Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, it's like an ocean of water out here. I just it's just almost like an ocean. It's so big. I just uh took my preacher on a like a tour where the levee broke, you know, and it broke about a hundred yards wide and dug about a sixty foot deep hole. Underneath of it you can see the depth finder, but um where it busted over it dug it out, but then, you know, it's about ten foot deep all the way across to all those farmlands and bottoms and stuff, you know. Just acres and acres and acres of crops that won't be planted, you know. So, yeah, it's a it's a devastating mess. We've got um we've got Corps of Eng- you know, we've got Corps of Engineers, Red Cross is here, National Guards here and all that, you know. So uh uh it's town's pretty town's pretty devastated, you know. Yeah. Mm. And it's all over the Midwest. If I never Yeah, if I never see another sandbag again, I'll be happy. I will bet. <laughs> I, yeah. It, so, you know, yeah. folks in Louisiana, I, I know we have some listeners from down there. I, they were scheduled to open the Morganza Spillway last week, and because of levees mm-hmm. breaking farther north, that relieved enough mm-hmm. of the pressure that they didn't open that spillway, and and that was a plus for Louisiana, obviously, and not that anyone wanted a levee mm-hmm. to break, but they had to evacuate huge areas um, from. You know, oh, yeah. cattle and farm equipment and that sort of thing because mm-hmm. that water would have run right through some you know some right some pretty valuable yeah there farm. is uh there is farm equipment and stuff like that stacked on every high spot across everywhere you see over here you know next to us. i mean there's yeah. tractors and farm equipment and anything you can imagine you know mm. yeah there's a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of devastation going on. Yeah. And a lot of people are trapped, you know, and they just kind of hardly get out. There's the only way to get out the boat, you know. Yeah, right. It's, it's kind of, it's bad, you know. But I would like to say thank our little community. We're small, but, you know, I mean, uh, everybody's sticking together and everybody's helping each other and doing what they got to do, you know. And and uh, so everybody come together to celebrate them blues last night, so I guess it was all good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, 
But I, nobody's buying duck and deuce calls because uh, Bill and I was talking earlier, Rocky. You know, it, I mean, it starts at northern Iowa and runs all the way down to the Gulf, you know, and that, that right through the heart of the country, duck and goose hunting, you know, and and uh, right down through the uh, Mississippi Flyway and reaches out everywhere on each side of that. And, and uh, the last thing anybody's thinking about, you know, in this flyway is buying a duck or goose call. So, yeah, business is tough, too. You know, everything has been, you know. Right. So. And it it's obviously going to hit a lot of people hard financially, too. You know, for farmers. To, oh my God! It's, yeah, it's it's farmers got you know uh, just our little business. You know, is just I mean, we haven't had a, we're so flooded here and stuff, and flood all around us. Not nobody comes here. We are in a duck hunting community. That's what these guys do: duck hunting, fish. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, usually got people in here daily. You know, and uh, yeah, we ain't had a customer. Somebody walked the door in two and a half months. You know, I mean, it's looking wow. for something. You know, other just a yeah shoot the bull or something you know but yeah it's yeah it's been tough yeah so anyway we'll make it it's all going down now i'll be good i survived it before you know so we'll survive it right bill what about your trip to washington before we jump back into the story can you give us a kind of a short summary of what what happened in washington yeah, this was a, a unique deal. We do we do fly-ins pretty regularly where we take you know sportsmen from different states to uh, call on their lawmakers about whatever the issue happens to be at the time. And this one came together real late, and it was uh, about a forage fish conservation act, which forage fish are just bait fish in the ocean. And I didn't realize it before, and y'all probably don't either. There are virtually no catch limits, no oversight, and no laws to protect these fish. And we're down to about 5% of the historic numbers on a lot of our bait fish populations in the ocean. So this is an act to basically corral that a little bit and and enact some oversight. As as y'all know, without bait fish, you don't have game fish. I mean, it's, you know, that part of the food chain is important. So that's what got us there, and uh, we had uh, Travis Thompson, you know, our buddy from from Florida. Um, he came up from Florida. Uh, Wes Higgins from Rattle Trap uh, Lures came from uh, Louisiana, and uh, Eric Guggenheim uh, from Texas, who's Eric's with Ranger Creek Ranch there. Uh, and they all call. They all go to their own state lawmakers' offices and talk about that issue, and then are also welcome to talk about others. You know, I talked. Uh, with Lamar Alexander and his office about the, the Everglades and Everglades funding because he's on the committee that will approve that. Um, so it's interesting. And seeing Washington from the inside uh, is something everyone, if they get the opportunity, should do. Um, and you realize people really make the difference up there if you'll engage and go up there and talk to them. I hear I'm in those offices. You hear those kids at those desks taking every phone call, documenting how people feel about things, and that goes to your senators and congressmen, and they care about it. They want to hear from you. So uh, anyone out there, get engaged and stay engaged, even if it's just making a phone call or an email, because they do listen, believe it or not. Hmm. Well, it looks like you, like, I know a couple of years ago you had Jake out there, Jake was yeah. with you a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. 
lot of great advocates for what how is how are things in southern Louisiana moving along? Yeah, there's of course right now with the flooding, just like we were talking about, it's it's a mess. Um and the Gulf of Mexico's a mess. So you know, people are catching crappie and bass where they should be catching speckled trout. Uh, yeah, and specks, of course, need salt water, unlike redfish. You know, specks want to be in that salty stuff. Uh, so it, it's a mess right now, and it's going to be a bad summer in the Gulf, potentially, with the, the biggest dead zone in history from all this runoff. Uh, but as far as our work there, a lot of things are progressing and moving forward. The Coastal Master Plan uh, passed unanimously, and that's basically the um, the handbook for how they're going to restore the coast. Um, and the funding is uh, secured for the moment. We even were able to get some additional funding from the state surplus. So uh, moved into to, uh, coastal restoration. So you know, a lot of good stuff happening. It's still a, you know, it's a bad situation down there. Uh, no, no way around it. But, but there are a lot of things moving in a really positive direction. Um, there and and it looks more and more like we might get moving. That'll be a credit to the the sportsmen from all over the country push to to get things moving right. Right. Well, you know, Jeff, you brought up a point about about you know. Midwest and the troubles that's going on there. From what I've read, man, in the past two weeks, there's been a lot of corn. A lot of people worried that, that the crop wasn't going to get it planted. You know, commodity prices are going to go nuts, and I still think that they are. But, man, there's been a ton of corn planted over the last two weeks in the Midwest. Yeah, in some areas there has. Yeah, I mean, uh, I there has and it's late you know i mean the guy they were under under the gun for uh, they started losing money with the government programs after june 5th on corn i think beans is june 15th but um yeah so a lot of guys are heading for beans you know too there's a lot of beans getting ready to go in uh but this corn i was looking the other day and i saw some knee-high corn here and uh we're right in the heart of all this you know we're i mean well right now the corn will be tossed you know it ain't going to be long, 4th of July, you'd be looking at maybe getting a roast in there or something, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't know, man. I'm just not seeing it. It it's, it's devastates me how, how many bare fields there are with nothing in them, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be late corn, which is going to be good for a duck hunter. What is in is going to be late. That means they're not going to get their combine out so early and they're not going to get the chisel plow in the ground, maybe not at all. So what corn fields are here, I was going to, is going to be as hot as it gets, you know, and uh, like the Missouri guys where we talked, you know, on the first podcast about all the flooded corn and stuff, man, there is none of those guys got anything in, you know, and so they're hoping, you know, those guys are hoping after the 4th of July up in this area, you can start uh, planting millet and uh, there'll be a lot of those, a lot of those fields, that, you know, a lot of those duck clubs that were, you know, we're corn, you know, flooded right to the ear is going to be millet, you know, so uh, if this water gets off of them, you know, but on both sides of the river here, the levees have all broke, so when that broke, it just flooded all those fields, you know, and, and, and everywhere, so there's not going to be any 
you know, flooded corn to amount to anything. And what is will be ate out in no time, you know, because they were ducking the world to find it real fast, you know, and eat it out. So there's, we're not going to worry about that too much. And there's not a lot of cornfields that are planted. So I think your migration is going to hit you guys, you know, it's going to head your way. I, I just look for a, if you guys don't have a phenomenal year and a migration this year, I don't think you ever will, you know, because they're not going to stay here long. I don't think so, anyway. There's not going to be nothing for them to eat. And millet, you know, it lasts till the first frost, and then it falls over, you know, and not that they won't keep eating it, but, uh, you know, it frosts, and it's, and, and uh, you know, falls over, and it's kind of done at that point. So, so yeah, I'd say... I'd say southern 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 areas are going to be a place to go here about mid to late season. Hey, hey Jeff, I, I'll bet you five dollars unless uh, if it's another uh, warm and wet year like we had last year, they still won't be mm-hmm. down here. If we get the weather like we had uh, two years ago, we'll be covered uh-huh. up. But but we're also in somewhat the same boat. I'm, we're my place in Tennessee is still underwater, and we're hoping it gets off in time to plant uh, milo and millet in August. Mm-hmm. And that should be big yeah. beans since the sixties, but there's no way they're gonna get in this year. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I just in ninety three when this did this in nineteen ninety three, we had a phenomenal duck year early. And mm-hmm. then they were gone. I mean there was just nothing for them when they left. It was gone. Uh what few fields in southern Illinois at that time we were still killing a lot of geese down there. The few fields that had uh you know, had uh, cornfields or whatever that had food you know, it was it was it was awesome, really good. Yeah. But again, they you know they went as far, but they got to Southern Illinois fast when they usually don't get there that fast, you know, because there was nothing for them. You know. Right. They were looking for some, you know, something to eat, you know, and then they ain't gonna stay in a barren field very long. No, it'll it definitely won't uh, take as much weather to push. Yeah. No, uh, when there's a ton of food, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they ain't going to have much to eat, I don't think. And what they do, I think, would be, you know, if there's a big push at once, they'll eat it up pretty fast. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, so that's, yeah, it, there ain't, I forget what the numbers are. You could look, Google it, look up, but it's like a very, very, it's like 10% or something of all of it across the Midwest is planted. You know, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's nuts from what are comparable. So, yeah, I'd say, uh, it's pretty phenomenal how much it jumped. I, I I saw a number as high as sixty percent is planted now. Yeah. The other day. Well, yeah. that, that's nuts. That might be. It ain't happening this that much, but because uh, it's just like you said, it went from get, like ten percent. It went from like ten percent to like sixty percent real fast. Right. Well, right. look, there, yeah. there's more yeah. high ground than bottomland planted. Oh ground. yeah. And yeah, as soon yeah. as the weather dried out enough to allow people to get in their fields, you know, mm-hmm. where it had been a mucky mess, yeah. it dried out enough to get in, boom, they're planting, you know. Um, yeah, it's the, like, like you take right here from bluff to bluff, there's a lot of acres here that's underwater right now. Yeah. But you just go on the other side of that bluff up there, and two, oh, the last week or two, it's been a dust storm out there, you know, of planting like, you know, like Bill said, all the high ground. I mean, they're planting that stuff. Like you know, uh, you're planting all that stuff. But this river bottom stuff is just, yeah. Basically, I I I bet it's not. I doubt if it is even ten percent. You know, I don't know where it would be if it is. You know, so much flood. Right. No, if it's in the Mississippi River Delta or Mississippi River bottoms, it's <laughs> your SOL. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that ain't good. Nothing here. So, but I've seen them do that and go out in the hills too. You know, and, and yep. I've got these ducks and ge- or ge- or the geese out there in the field, in the hills too. So, which uh, which is all good with me. Right, they'll be easier to find, but everybody else <laughs> find them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> But well, Jeff, later, last we'll week. We'll still buy some shells and we'll still go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Jeff, last week, look, we, we went into a few of the. Um, went into a few of the immunities that were given by the feds mm-hmm. over your case mm-hmm. to different people. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest things, and I heard this for years and years and years, even way before I ever knew you, Jeff, was one of the big misconceptions that got spread around through this, and I think it's a great time to bring this up, was that your cameraman was a fed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the – mm-hmm. if you kind of follow no. the story, it's not the case. What actually happened was mm-hmm. – I'm not jumping off into that, but – your cameraman wasn't a fed. No, I had, I actually had, well, over the years I've had several, but uh, my main ones that was with me all the time was uh, uh, the first one, uh, a guy named David Johnson was down in Tennessee, and he was up here as a deer guy for and uh, for years, and then they started filming anyway, so I got him, we got to be buddies, long story short, I just hired him, he was my camera guy, and uh the only tie to him and the feds was he had actually went to school to be a game warden, and then right at the very end he decided not to be and whatever. So that was the only. But I seen him do too many things on his personal life that would, it would that proved that no way you know he was no game warden. Yeah, you know? and uh, so it had nothing to do with him. He wasn't one. And in fact, there was only one little thing that brought up to him. He was the one, and you know they said. Well, we was in Canada and said, uh, quit shooting. That You know, we just went over that, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, that was the only thing with him. The other one, he was the farthest thing from a, the most unlawful guy there ever was, you know. But uh, but he was a good cameraman and all that. And, the only, and, and the, I think a lot with him was he used to be, he used to work at a state prison around here. And uh, he quit that prison job because he hated it. And... Uh, come to work for me because of the waterfowl deal and he was, you know, loved to hunt and all that. So, uh, anyway, and it, and it wasn't much of a pay cut at the time. So, you know, I mean, so, so with that, I think everybody misconstrued it that, well, well, yeah, he was a prison guard, went right into this. He was a game warden and all this here. Well, he wasn't, he was just granted immunity that, you know, for everything he'd That's done right. and whatever, to, you know, granted immunity to, you know, tell them everything they knew on me. So they just let him off. So, no, it was not a cameraman. It was, uh, you know, and the next cameraman I had was uh, uh, one of the other uh, cameramen. That guy, the first one was David Johnson and Brian Renegar, and then the next one, Sean Hammock filmed for me some. And he did the same thing. He got immunity. And then uh, uh, my son-in-law was after all that, you know, and there was nothing after that, you know. So uh, then we kept filming. So, Anyway, he didn't get on music because we're nothing again. That was after all these charges were done. So no, that was a big, big misconception that the cameraman was a, uh, you know, undercover fed. So, so, um, and these guys, they work, yeah, rumor mill. You know, there's 
there was so many of rumors, you know, was just, you would read on them and it's just, you know, you shake your head and, and, and there was no talking it out. If you tried to go on and say this didn't happen, well, of course you were a liar, you know, whatever. But, you know, like I said all along, I, I tell this story exactly the way it is. You know, there's a lot of, you know, people on the other side and a lot of people got immunity probably don't like hearing that as we all know some of them call about it already. But, hey, you sign your name on a dotted line right there. That's all. You're a federal witness and that's public. So yeah. if you dig far enough, you can find it. If not, I'll show you all the papers. <laughs> so at that point, you know, you're you're going on, you know, you signed that, so you will go on to a stand, a witness stand up there in front of the whole world, and so you're not hidden, you know, anymore. So right. anyway, but no, absolutely not. That nobody working for us was that in that, you know, there was nobody working for me. There was nobody like that involved with me or anything. The only one of the feds was. The the two undercover guys that came in, which we, like I said, we'd got tipped off about. And that was one of the things they were, they were mad enough that they researched that until they found who it was that tipped us off and then went to him. So, hmm. Did they do anything to them? No. No. What, what are they going to do? The man just told them, you know, and <laughs> the man just told us, hey, I was in a, in a card game. This guy ran into him. And this is what he's getting ready to do. He didn't tell me their names. He didn't tell me who they was. He just said they're going to Canada somewhere, you know, and they're after some high profile. The feds leaked that out, so you know, that's public knowledge at the same time. Yeah, so right. So yeah, but they didn't like it. Oh, I think they threatened him and did whatever. But uh, the guy, you know, the guy was a friend of mine, but he's also, you know, a pretty powerful guy, and uh, he's a long way from broke. So there wasn't a lot they could, you know. And he's smart man, you know. He knew that without he didn't do anything wrong. No, they, yeah. but they did. They did look him up, though. <laughs> yeah. Before before we get back into immunity, real quick, and 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 those in that paperwork, you and I have had discussions off the air. I don't know how far you want to go with mm-hmm. this, but I, I've talked to Ryan Warden about it in that podcast with him. He, you know, had his troubles with the with the feds. One mm-hmm. of the one of the things that keeps bugging me. On social media, and when I'm just watching the Outdoor Channel, the same things mm-hmm. that they busted you, Brian, other people for, I'm sitting here seeing it in the wide open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happens all the time. Happens all the time, and like uh, you know, I've made I've made a couple phone calls to some guys on the on TV. I've said, dude. Did you remember what happened to me? Well, this is what it's for, and it's real, you know. But uh, what we've talked about this whole time on here, I personally don't think there's a ever – Bill and I talked about this a little bit. You know I mean? I hope to God when this is over with that people will learn a few things about this. And it comes down to to party hunting. And like I said, you know, earlier, the last time I talked to the undercover working, I said, why did you – you know – we're going to stop party hunting. We're going to stop the guides from shooting the client's birds. I don't personally think they'll ever stop that. But I hope this, all these 13, 14, whatever it ends up, 20, whatever we end up doing here, I, mean, I hope that instills in everybody's mind, when you're hunting with more than yourself, two or more people, man, get you a game strap. 
put your name on that somehow. I mean, put your name on that. Get some tags, toe tags from Ryan, you know, for God's sake, you know, this, look at what happened to him and what happened to me. And get some of those toe tags and put them in your bag and have them filled out with your name and your hunting license and all that information on there and attach that thing to your uh, lanyard you know, or, you know, or your uh, game strap and put your ducks on that strap. And when you do, it is your duck. So if there's six ducks killed, and you know, don't shoot the more ducks. You know, I mean, there's yep. you, you know, and just walk out of there. And even if you make a mistake and you shot the other guy's bird or whatever you whatever you did, you come out of that blind. You put them as soon as it's killed. Put them on that lanyard, that game strap. Put them on there with your tag on it and separate those things. And I keep you from getting in this mess. You know, right. so. Yeah, I know things can be misconstrued, you know, in a lot of different ways, but at least that'll keep you as, uh, you know, as, as legal as I know you could possibly be. You know, that's a, that's what we're doing now. You know, I mean, I won't go now without a game strap, and we're going to throw them on them straps, you know, and you're hey, going to keep it in your corner with your name on it. You know, the average guy is not going to be under scrutiny for years like you had to deal with. Um, right. So, if you'll make the efforts, if people will make the efforts Jeff was just talking about, you get six on your strap or seven out west, you know, wherever you are, whatever the limit is, either unload your gun or if it's goose season, more ducks come in, your gun doesn't come up. And if everyone mm-hmm. in your blind does that, you're never going to get a ticket. Never gonna, you're never going to get one. No. You know, and, you're, and, and that's what, and I think they'll leave you alone at that. But you got to go mm-hmm. back to this here. You got to go back to the beginning of this story, though. You know, I think that's where it's all gets. The longer you talk, the more you get into it and all that. But you go back to the first of the story. They weren't after me for party hunting. They weren't after all this stuff. They were. After, they got a phone call. It was a lot worse than this right here, and this is how it ended up in. You know what it ended up and ended up in this party hunting deal. You know, I don't think that was the initial what they're going after. You know, the very beginning. Right. You know, uh, they had a phone call that said all this other crap was going on. You know, so you know this is what they. You know, we've got to do something. We spent a million. You know, two point five five million dollars when this was done. We spent a lot of money on this. We ain't walking away from this. Nothing. Got to be something here. You know, and there was. You know, and they got right. that, and that's what they got. You know, I just. Uh, you know, like I said from the beginning, I'm not saying I'm innocent. Never have I said that. But you, you know, wasn't guilty of this. You know, anyway. Right. So, but to answer your your question, Rocky, it is a tough thing to watch, and knowing some of these people, you know, and then some of you don't, and seeing this and thinking these guys don't have a clue; they're not paying attention. You know, they just, you know, pay attention a little bit out there and see what can happen to you. This isn't just some this isn't some made up fairy tale story that you know that it's out there that can happen to you know to any hunter out there. It can. And when it does, when they get on your tail, they ain't stopping. So it ain't right. like, oh, well, they're not doing that. They're going to get you. They're on you. They're probably going to get you, you know. If they spent that time and effort, somebody's getting it. So, you know, these guys, just be careful. Put your stuff on a strap. Put your name on it and walk out of there with it, you know. And for God's sake, you if you're filming you and your buddies hunting, do it right. Make sure you're doing it right. Like, it's really bad when television shows do it do party hunt and make it obvious they're shooting each other's furs but when 
it's just as bad for the average guy who films with his cell phone or his GoPro, and you can tell mm-hmm. that's happening, and they post it on YouTube. And look, a lot of those mm-hmm. hunts are great to watch because you see guys genuinely having fun hunting with each other. But then you realize if a Fed looks at this and wants to write a ticket, he's got you. Well, it's like I said, I said earlier in one of these podcasts. I know here in Illinois, and it can't, it's not no different in Tennessee or Louisiana or Mississippi. I'm, there is a DNR task force that watches social media mm-hmm. and pictures, videos, and all this here. If your name happens to pop up or if your buddy sees you out there and you're on YouTube and you just killed a bunch of ducks and the next guy next to you, duck hunters and goose hunters are the most jealous people in the world. I, let's face it, we're men with big egos. If you're a hunter, you got a big ego. And so if you don't like that and you got a, somebody next to you that don't like you or don't like because you're doing or jealous of you, and he just happens to drop a dime on you, they're going to be watching you. You're going to get a ticket for this show. So yep. you know, if you're going to drop this stuff in pictures on YouTube or what of that right there, you know, you best you best make sure you got your stuff right because you know, it can come back and haunt you, and it will. Yeah. Oof. I was watching a show, I guess it's been a couple of weeks ago, but they, they were shooting ducks, and there's probably 12 of them in a blind. It was filmed here in mm-hmm. southern United States. I'm not going to give this away, but <laughs> there's probably 12 of them in a blind. It wasn't in the one of these Midwest hunts where you're shooting 5,000 Canada geese coming in, but they had teal mm-hmm. coming in. There were hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of teal coming in. So they're shooting up in these wads of teal, 12 people. And I know this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people, but um, how do you know who's shooting what? And, and on top of that, if the fans <laughs> get a hold of that footage, mm-hmm. they can kind of... Tr- track down what's going on I, you know well we live in a when time. you're teal hunting like that as well as all you guys know you're teal hunting and there's a one last year we had this i never saw it before and uh everything had froze up all the flooded corn on it froze up there on the mississippi river and they were rafted like bluebells out there dangest thing i ever seen i ever seen that many four five hundred in a watt and when they would come in they would get up and buzz around out there and they'd come in you know, from 40 to 80 in a watt. Now, they ball up. Teal, you know, everybody knows anybody's teal hunted at all, got a watt up, they ball up in front of you, and you shoot that ball. Not many people, unless they, when they start scattering, you start picking up. But when you shoot in that ball, you're liable to have killed two or three of them things, each one of you. You don't know who's getting them, you know. So, yeah, I know what you're saying, Rocky. That's a tough and. You don't know at that point right there, and you might have videoed that thing, and you can look at it, but when you sit down and that tape goes in, and that goes into an editing room with a big screen TV, and you super slow motion that down, and you get it from five different angles on five different TV screens up there with two or three guys watching, you're going to pick this out pretty quick. You can, you know, some of this can slow the shots, you know. Some of it can slow the shot stream down. You can see the shot. So, don't think they ain't going to, oh, well, they'll never figure that out. If they want to, they will. So, but, yeah, but, I know but, what you're saying, Rocky. It's a tough, tough deal. For guys who want filming, 
and when that happens, and it, you know, we shoot a lot of deal in this part of the country, and you know, so Rocky and I, I guarantee, have both seen this in person many times. Uh, but I always say, when those ducks are brought into the blind, someone is going to say, you know, those two are mine, and they go on their strap, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is. And there's no discussion past yep. that. Uh, if you get right. taken to landing, right. these are my six. Period. Uh, All right. All right. And that's all a way to take care of yourself and still be able to hunt. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in other parts of the country, especially out west, where they don't hunt in big groups like we do, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of stuck in this situation because there are so many hunters confined to such small areas. It's the only way you can afford places. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, well, you band together and lease spots, buy spots or whatever, and it's just kind of what we are, our tradition and they, what we're stuck with. Why don't, why don't they bring common sense in and Thank eliminate you. the gray I area? Say that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, Canada's yeah, made a much. huge why don't, why don't push they bring us in? to, yeah, I mean, Canada in the past years made a huge push to eliminate gray area mm-hmm. for for hunters mm-hmm. and the law. So, mm-hmm. I, look, there, there's no market hunters anymore. The the laws were written specifically for market hunters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, let's let's bring in a little common sense. But you know, Bill, right. you know, working with the feds in Washington, what it would it, it would absolutely take. I know this is stupid, but an act of Congress, of course, it would, but. You'd have to move heaven and earth to eliminate the gray area and and write some common sense federal migratory bird laws. Uh, absolutely, and the other problem with that, Rocky, and we can look at our our friends at Flyway Federation of Louisiana, who somehow in 1998, when they sought to clarify the baiting regulations, so there would be no mistake what the law is. They didn't change any law they clarified. Yet that's what they hinged their whole claim on about. They said the law was changed to allow flooding corn in 1998. That's not the case, but a clarification of the law has actually caused some people to see it incorrectly. So clarifying is not always that, uh, it doesn't always clear things up. Um, Matter of fact, I noticed in Canada's uh, rewrite of their uh, laws as far as transport and when you have to remove the wing or head, the way their laws written, the new one, you would you would have to cook the duck with the wing or head attached because it says that <laughs> preparing for consumption. You know, mm-hmm. but <laughs> clarifying is not always doesn't always clear things up. But I agree with you. I'd love to see it happen. And it would take Congress. Well, when you're clarifying, if you like back what Rocky said, though, the clarifiers, when they clarify this, have to have common sense. And, yeah. You know, here's what I don't see. I see some very, very, very smart people, you know, that, that, that's, that's writing these laws and doing whatever. But these guys, a lot of times, they're not the guy that's hunting 60, 90 days a season and gets this. 
So there's, that's where the common sense loses, you know, in the deal. I mean, I think when these laws will be written, you know, I think there is a lawmaker that has good sense and, and does this. But there also needs to be some redneck hillbilly like us out there saying, hey, dude, this is what we're talking about, common sense. Okay. Right. There's, there's four guys in a blind, you know, Bill took his, you know, you know, you took a buddy, and me and Rocky went with you. And then there, and there's four of us in the blind. A bunch of teal come in, and we shot into them. And, you know, there's four of us, so we can kill 24, and we killed 20. We brought them in the blind. Do you know who shot them? No. We just brought them in the blind, and we immediately put them on a different trigger and claimed them. Right. That should be the way that law is. Now, if they're watching you and do all this crap, that's where the party hunting comes in. You know, and in individual limits, as, you know, as they put in all my, you know, indictments, individual limits up there. Well, yeah. what is wrong? What is wrong? And I probably get persecuted for this. What is wrong with the fact? Let's just say I'm guiding five guys from New York who are doctors and anesthesiologists, and they're all different, five different doctors, work together all the time, and they got together in the lunchroom one day or at the bar after work and said, hey, guys, I heard this is a lot of fun. We're going to go out to uh, uh, Central Illinois. We're going to go to, man, I've heard this place, a Heartland Lodge out there. We can go quail hunt in the morning. Great food. Uh, lodge is unbelievable. We're going to duck hunt for half a day, whatever. Well, I ain't never, did you go to duck hunt? No, that'd be fun. Let's try that out. What kind of gun we got? I don't know. We'll call them and ask them. We'll get one. Okay? What kind of shells we get? Oh, they'll probably have shells, and we'll ask them what to get, and we'll get them. We'll get there. How, what do we do at duck hunt? Oh, they got a guide. It'll be all right. These guys ain't ever <laughs> shot one in their entire life, okay? You follow where I'm right. going with this? And yep. they show up, they show up down here, and I'm going to take them hunting. Or Joe Blow down the street who's hunted all his life and a great shot, who shoots ducks every day, is going to take them hunting. He takes them hunting. Okay, boys, this is what we're going to do. He explains the whole thing. Puts their shotguns together for them in the, in the blind, like many of us guys have done before. Took them out of the box and put them together. Away we go. And you're scared to death. All right, boys, here's the safety. Here's the deal. Okay. Bunch of ducks going to come in. I tell you, get up and shoot and aim at the duck, lead them, and all this here. When the day's over, they've shot three boxes of shells apiece, uh, and I've shot three boxes of shells, and we've all got our limits. And everybody in this group is happy. And there's four or five limits here, whatever. There's five guys, there's five limits sitting there, or we're short of t- and everybody's got them on a stringer, got them on their name, and walked out of there. What's wrong? And everybody's happy. Nobody's sad, nobody's mad, nobody's whatever. They're happy. Right. What is wrong with There's common sense. What's wrong with that? Did they shoot every one of them? They're probably lucky if they shot three of them. You know? They're happy. As so, long as they're claiming they killed the ducks, we're cool. Mm-hmm. I, because I, but that's not like the way it is. Before, I generally think I know when I shot a bird, but that's not to say someone else didn't at the same time. And mm-hmm. so if someone else says, right. I killed that bird, well, here you go. Cool. Right. That means I get to shoot another one, you know. But he certainly killed it. Well, that, that, that's what, yeah. Okay, so then you go back, and they take this footage of this, because I'm filming this for for Fallen Sky 17. And we're I'm filming this thing for it, and they go back, oh, there he goes again. There's foils. We super slow motion this down. He shot them ducks. That guy didn't shoot them, whatever, you know. And there we're back in the same boat again, you know. And that's where Rocky said, you know, I t- agree totally. You know, or let's take this, let's take this guide out of the deal. Let's take this all out of the deal because that turns a lot of people off when you say the guide shot. Okay, let's take yeah. that all out. Now, let's take 
three young kids who are just chomping at the bit, talking about it at school. Can't wait to go this weekend. We're going to get a duck hunt. Man, we went out the other night. We saw these ducks. We can't wait. And they are jacked up. And it is their first hunt, second hunt they've ever taken in their life. We're trying to make duck hunters to keep this sport rolling, right? Make them having a good time and everything. Okay, mm-hmm. what makes a good – there's a many, million things that might make a good hunt. But you tell me somebody that goes out there and gets their limit, don't say they have good – you know, everybody loves – we're going out there, you know, there's a limit for a reason. We want to carry a limit. That's fun. We take these kids out there, and us three take these three or four kids out there, and we go out there shooting, and we all get our limits. Who's happy? You think them kids ain't happy? Absolutely. They got tons of ducks here to play with. They got them all. They just had to and, – and we walk out of that blind with all our limits. Did the kids shoot them all? Probably not. You know well as I do what happened there. But that happens has been happened for hundreds of years, it says. You well, know, I as long as they don't my, come out. I'm going to tell one on myself, y'all. Um, and I may have done this early on. I can't recall. But when my son started hunting, you know, he, like most, he couldn't hit anything. I, you know, and I knew he wasn't going to be able to hit anything. But rather than him having to face up to the fact he just hadn't learned to shoot and hit something on the wing edge, I shot right next to him. And I made sure to time some shots so he was certain he killed some birds. Mm-hmm. And sure. that reward got him mm-hmm. wanting mm-hmm. to keep going. Uh, Thank and you very much. Long That's before he was shooting right his there. own birds. But he thought all mm-hmm. along he was, and that kept him in the sport. And I won't apologize for that happened. That happened to that kid. That just happened to that four doctors I'm just talking about. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And everybody's happy. Well, was your boy happy? Yeah. Everybody was happy. Right. Now, before I forget this here, Rocky, I got, I got to tell you a story. This is how a lot of this works. The other day, I'm boating these people across this river, okay? And it's a... Uh, I got a 115 tiller handle on a, on a uh, 20-foot war eagle, and I'm going back and forth across this river. It takes about 12 minutes to go across there, and that's pretty much cranked open, trimmed up. And that's, that's a pretty long trip. don't sound like long, but 12 minutes across the water like a pretty long trip. So I'm going over mm-hmm. there, getting out of the boat, my bare feet, pulling the boat up and all that, getting ready to pick these uh, gals up and give them a ride back. I've been working all day and all that there. So where you park the cars right there, everything, there's a, a state policeman. Uh, just pulls in in the car, check out what was going on. I told him he was super, super nice. And I said, he goes, I know who you are. I'm so-and-so. Oh, yeah, man, I remember. Yeah, yeah, great guy. And he said, look, just tell him to do this, this, and put their phone number in the car, you know, in case somebody's going to move it. Like, super nice. That's great, man. He goes, hey, just be careful. I said, yeah, well, he goes, no, I mean, be careful. Have everything right. And I go, hey, dude, I got, you want to look at it, I've got, all the light jackets, I got fire extinguishers, got lights, I got air whistles, everything. Oh, he go, well, I'm just telling you, I won't say his name, said, but, but uh, he said, he told me his name, but I won't say his name on here. He said, watch out. He's looking for you. He's a, he's a you know, game warden and, uh, from right here close. And I, and I know who he is, but I've never had no run-ins with him at all. He said, he's wanting you bad. I go, why? He goes, dude, I said that to him one day. He goes, that man done, you know, did his time pins over what he goes. Uh, I'm going to get him one of these days. I'll get this guy away. So, you know, see, see the attitude I'm saying that, and that's what turns people, you know. And so I said, you know what you do? You go back to him and tell him to quit messing around. This time, come check me. 
come check me. Don't wait like they did my other deal, whatever. Don't wait. Don't get an attitude. Don't notice. Come check me. And if you got me for something, write a ticket. If you don't, leave me the hell alone. Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 so what, let's just see. I don't know if the guy listens to the podcast or he's just, but I don't think so. He's just, uh, you know, I guess I'm marked, you know, after all this or whatever. But it's, it's kind of I, sad I would, that it has to be that way. Uh, that seems to be, I don't know if it's human nature or, you know, it's, we all tend to, you know, someone's convicted of something. It's to an extent hard to live it down sometimes. I guess. And then, you know, but on the other hand, the guy that just retired, that this guy took his place, you know, he pulled me over one time and, uh, uh, we've been uh, turkey hunting out on the river. Cole had a cold kill one. And I may have told the story, but anyway, he pulls up and he gets talking to me and, and all that, and he gets checking stuff, you know, and he's checking the boat, you know, kind of looked around. He had a guy with him, you know, out of town. He was checking stuff, young guy. That was okay, but this guy's just talking to us. I said, hey, dude. You know, I said, you know, I'm going to go to any of his name either, but he just he just said, uh, he was just a local guy. I knew him. I taught his uh, boys in uh, T-ball. And uh, anyway, I said, you going to check us out? You can see our license stuff. He goes, dude, there ain't no doubt you. He goes. He goes. Ain't ain't doubt my mind. You ain't perfectly legal. He said. I never agree with you. What you've been through. I, he goes. You'd have to do something pretty bad for me to ever be on your tail anymore. You, you served your deal or whatever. Now that's the same right. guy in the same area. <laughs> See, just two different attitudes, you know. Yeah. So, so, it, but I don't know. It, it, I just don't get that. You know. But like you said, I guess they figure once, you know, once a criminal, always a criminal. I don't know what they say. But, Anyway, it got to me when I'm sitting here, and we are in a devastating deal here. I'm taking my motor, my, my, you know, gas, oil, and all this stuff here. You know, some of them buys me some gas or something to be nice or whatever. But I'm taking my time, getting up at 4 in the morning, doing all this stuff, going across this river, you know, and, and back and forth, you know. So it kind of ruins your day every day. And then I got somebody yeah. trying to do that over you know, watching me, you know, to get you. I'm, give me a break. When do you forget, you know, that you work for us? <laughs> You're working for the people. We pay you. Hey, I don't know. Uh, here's a tip. That never goes over well. <laughs> I done did that before. <laughs> I done did it. don't work. It don't work. It don't work very good with business agents either. Than in, in the construction business, when a union business agent, you tell me work for you. I don't work very good either. <laughs> no. Oh boy! That's another well, tip for the masses. Yeah. Well, Jeff. Anyway, I just, I wouldn't I wouldn't have brought nothing like that up, but it just come up the other day, and it just. Really got to me. I'm thinking, dude. I'm trying everything I can do this right, do whatever, and I gotta hear this, you know. But anyway. well, Jeff, whatever last week is. we 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 jumped into we jumped into the paperwork. Look, I, I think that it it kind of shocked you when you walked into that office and you saw those stack of papers mm-hmm. of people that have been given mm-hmm. immunity, which is protection against prosecution for giving testimony against you correct did i say that right mm-hmm. right yeah and they're basically you're off the hook 100 percent if you testify against him sign this if paper you tell right if you and i if you and i robbed a bank 20 years ago and i say hey me and jeff robbed a bank 
you know, they can prosecute mm-hmm. you for it now, and I protect it against that, correct? Yes, exact same thing. Uh, a good, uh, good, uh, you know, if everybody remembers John Gotti, you know, John Gotti went down uh, for his murderer, uh, and this is a way out, you know, from what this is, but, but it kind of puts it in perspective, you know, Sammy the Bull got off for killing all those people for giving them John Gotti, you know, so basically same thing, you know. Well, we talked about a few of them last week. Are there any more that really stick uh, out in your mind? You, you know, I told you the most of them that did. Uh, the most of them that did. You know, there was, uh, you know, of course, the ex-wife, and, and you know, and the guy that worked for me, you know, and then there was, uh, you know, the guys at the White Hill properties, two or three of those, you know, and and. Uh, uh, the guy, the ex-partner, the Marshutes, you know, and his boy, you know, and, and that one there, I guess that one there was, there was a lot of them that bothered me. And then, then this one guy, you know, this McGowan, you know, uh, who had, I guess the part with him was, that, you know, this is the guy that was supposed to be your friend and you'd help for all these years and help him out of stuff, took his kid hunting to do all this. And then he's even telling me after all this, oh, they call me and they're just going to charge me and I'm not going to get nothing but works for me a year and let me pay him if he takes his kid hunting and all this here a year after he's working for him, you know. And it's supposed to be your friend at your house and, you know, talking to him daily. Those are the ones that when you, well, that was probably the most shocking one when I lifted that one up and saw it, you know. And, uh, you know, there were some really good ones where guys just, you know, guys had just told him, you know, like the one guy, you know, told him, you know, what'd you get for Christmas last year? I can't, it's a pretty special day. I can't remember, you know, so he could, you know, there were several of those, but, but it was just so many of them. And it was all a bunch of little stuff, you know, and like I said about the Matthews deal, what he said, that one shocked me. I was like, what did he do here? But, you know, um, so when I walked out of that room, you know, after going through them, it didn't take me very long to go through them, you know, and I wrote down everything I knew about them. But I walked out of the room once and I go, are you serious? He goes, hey, that's it, man. I'm telling you. And when you would read these, uh, these were all people I knew really, really well. And you could tell when you, that they had told the story and then the feds or whoever on their side wrote the story up on a piece of paper and then they signed it. So what I'm getting at, it was the story, but it was construed in a different way by the time it came out. You know what I'm saying? But right. by that time, it's, hey, sign it or I'm going to go after you. You know, So I'm not saying it's all fair <laughs> in this deal. Or it came out exactly probably the way they said it. But, uh, you know, it's like it's like at the end of this whole thing. You know, one of the things I had to do at the very end of this, you know, after I'd served my time, got out and everything, I had to make, within six months or whatever after I got out, I had to make a public statement and admit guilt to all this. And they wanted me to admit guilt to 23 indictments. I just laughed at them. I said, I told my lawyer, I said, I'll admit to what you charge me for, my actual charges. That's what I'll do. And all Mm -hmm. I had to do is make a public statement. Well... I could have put this in the Hawaiian news in the back page and paid 10 bucks for a little bitty ad in the back, which had been public statement that nobody ever knows. So, oh, no, they couldn't do that. We had to be a public statement. 
you know, and we had to do it. So I said, so I sat and thought about this a long time. I had a long time to think about this in that 13 months, and I thought, no. You want a public statement? I have no problem going out there and tell you. I'll admit to what I did. I'll do it at the SHOT Show, the biggest event we have. And I'll call some writers together or whatever. We'll call everybody we can. We'll do it. So that's exactly what I did. But they wanted to know exactly what I was going to say. So I had to type it out or send them an email what I was going to say. Oh, no, you got to say this. you got to say this. So what I'm getting out of this whole thing is they basically wrote my speech out, you know, and then said, okay, I'll say this. You know. But when I told right. it, I told them how that happened, you know, when I told it to all the writers and everything. So uh, anyway, if you follow the drift I'm going with, you know, I'm not going to say that was those people's, that was a story. It wasn't their exact words. Somebody else wrote it up. But as someone who's done a lot of writing, I can tell you from from what you either say in an interview or what you are thinking in your head when you're writing something, to putting it on paper, it changes. And then if you read it, mm-hmm. as the guy who wrote it, if I read it a month later, I think, that's not what I meant. And I was the one with the <laughs> thought and the pen. And I mm-hmm. realized, that's really not what I meant or someone reads it and takes a meaning from it, that's, no, that's not what that was supposed to say. So I, I get, I follow your drift on that. Right. I mean, it was, uh, you know, in my opinion, I'm not saying it's right, but in my opinion, after reading it, it didn't take long to read that. Okay, we got your story. Now we're going to construct this story in a way that looks good for us to get him. That's that's what I'm trying to say. And then my my story was constructed. I had to tell the press or whatever. The public announcement was constru- you know was tried to be constructed in a way to make me look like the Antichrist. You know, so I thought, no, I'm just admitting to these. So we went back and forth with lawyers and finally got it out. And I did it. I had to tape it, send him a tape. They had to see the deal and everything. So I uh, told them where I did it. But yeah, now. Does that surprise you I had to do that? So not not really. How many how many it doesn't? It, it really doesn't. Okay, Jeff, tell me, I, just name me name me. This is not grade school where I gotta stand up in front of the class and say, I'm sorry, but I cheated on that test or you know, I skipped school yesterday. That's this is not that. This is not the football team where I, you know, I got caught smoking cigarettes. I caught the team in the game because I wasn't there. This Wait, is not this. This is a this is a ticket. How many times and they had to go up and, and say, "I'm sorry, people." I, and I'll tell you why I say that. It, and I'm not saying I think it was a good idea or the right thing to do or any of that. But uh, I don't know if y'all remember. Several years ago, there was a a dog trainer, and I forget if it was beagles or bird dogs or what but they he was caught having killed hundreds of hawks you know he he Uh killed any hawk he found on the property he he owned and Uh buried them all in a a mass grave and And i ain't saying a word about that but i'm I'm listening (laughs) and after it all went down part of his uh penance and i don't remember if he went to jail or not but it was i know he was mm-hmm. hammered 
financially. And he had to mm-hmm. make public statements like that, and he also had to buy ads, mm-hmm. and they named the magazines, and he bought advertisements in all these different magazines saying wow. that what he was guilty of and what happened to him and all of this. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I'm saying uh, it doesn't surprise me because I've seen some precedent for that sort of thing in a high-profile Wow, I never, yeah, I never knew any of that before. I just never, you know, it was like the gag order, you know. Okay, yeah. we're going to nail you for this. We're going to give you 13 months in federal prison. We're going to take your license away for three years. We're going to fine you $100,000, $15,000 Canada. Can't hunt for three years. Can't do all this stuff. A year's probation. We're going to do that. We're going to not remember. I'm going to send you to state prison. We're sending you to federal. And we're going to do all this here. Now, now you're on a three-year gag order. Now, when it's over, you got to go talk, you know, tell everybody. I mean, it's, it's like it wouldn't end, you know, if you get what I'm saying. You know I mean? Why, is, why would you have to be on a gag order? Why do they care what I tell about it? They should have been happy. They didn't want to hear about it. And then why at the end do I got to go in front of all, you know. But that was that was the way it was. But I, I just never, ever understood that. But I did it. I did have all the above. So. Right. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I'm, I'm going to, if your speech wasn't what they if you just would have went out there and just blasted them, I can't imagine what your sentencing would have been. <laughs> I'm sure they would have asked for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But well, you're the know. only person that Rocky, you're the only person you I, I've ever known to serve at... a prison sentence for killing ducks. So uh, you know, What's what, the, what, what do I know? What is the highest fine you ever heard about getting paid for? For <laughs> I got the highest. A hundred thousand was the maximum. I got it. So. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I don't know the gag order. I've always started the gag order because at the time I had two or three people come to me, and one was a publisher, and the other one was a really, really good writer, and they were, you know, on me for this story. There was another talk about, uh, you know, we've been contacted by. I don't remember what it was sixty minutes or what, what it, to, to do it on there. And man, right after that, I got the gag order. Couldn't talk about. It. Wow, that was right up. So I figured that was to stop that. And uh, then you know, and then, but this deal afterwards, you know, we kind of frowned on that. It's like, why, you know, why do I go out public and tell this? My God, you you publicly destroyed me anyway. <laughs> you want me to? You want to just keep pounding? You know. Keep driving those nails through me? I mean, you know. But I thought, well, I'll man up to it, what I did. And, what, you know, what better place? I'll do it at a shot show. Maybe this will be over with. So, so that's what right. I did. So. From from the time the, of those immunities, <laughs> from the time of those immunities till you went to court, how long, how long of a spread of mm-hmm. time is that? Um, I went to court several times. There were several, several different court things. You know, uh, uh, there was—I I couldn't tell you how many it was. I went to court a bunch of times. You know, in Springfield, the federal court. You know, I went up there, and uh, it would be—you know how long? You know how you know that stuff goes. They postpone it, or they throw something else at you. And, they, and here's what they would do: they'd make an offer to the lawyer, and then we'd say okay, and then they'd raise raise the limit. And then it, it, that went on and on. I think it was a test to see what I would do. But um, and then it just kept going until finally he said, all right, this is it. This is, you know. 
But I don't know. I couldn't tell you how many times. It wasn't, wasn't too much longer after that when we went to court. And uh, most of the time it would be some, uh, well, okay, we've got this evidence and this. Well, I need more time to look at this. Well, Jeff brought in a new lawyer. We got that. We've got a new prosecutor. You know, and it was, okay, we'll postpone it for, you know, till you know, it's, you know, June 13th or 12th, whatever it is, and we're going to postpone it to August 1st. And you'd go August 1st. And then it would be, I mean, this thing went on forever. Yeah, I mean, went on and on and on. Yeah, it's like, I was so sick of going to Springfield. But uh, be it would seem like they would leave you alone for three or four months and then back you'd go. Yeah. 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 What did you say, man? I said, and, and you're getting that bill by the hour from your attorneys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That kept creating, you know. And and uh, so, yeah, it wasn't a cheap thing, you know. <laughs> and then about this time, you know, when all them indictments come out, then you think you just about got this taken care of. And then, oh, boy, lawyer card. Now we got Canadian indictments, you know. Yeah, Canadians are charging you now. So yeah. then that started, you know, but and that, and if you want to know the truth about it, that was the least of my worries by this time. I knew it was, you know, wasn't good by that time. Canadian Canada wasn't going to make a much difference. So, uh, but yeah, you had to deal with that too. And hired a lawyer for that. Then I had to hire a Canadian lawyer to go to court with me up there. And so, so yeah, it was, uh, and that's another story in itself going to court there. I only went to court there one time. Jeff, in between, in between court and, what is your lawyer telling you? What, what is he saying? Ah, uh, Jeff, um, you're probably going to get a $50,000 fine, and you're probably going to lose your hunting license for a little while. I mean, is that – I mean, I, Well, some of that, yeah. You're, you're, on the right, you're on the right deal there. He's telling me back and forth about, uh, you know, well, I don't know. Ain't nobody – and, and, and it, I'm looking at case law myself at the time. I'm just burning up a computer looking for case law, trying to find something to compare myself to. And uh, it's kind of like praising a house, you know, you praise three of them next to the soul. But so I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, looking at that. And and he, well, they came up with this and, and then they'd have to look it up. It'd be something that was way out of the realm, you know. And there was just, it is. So the lawyers are looking, they're trying to figure stuff out. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not getting the answers I want. And uh, that's when I hired the other lawyer to get the help. Because I knew he was more into the, he knew more about the uh, game laws than, uh, you know. I mean, here's the problem with lawyers. There's a lot of great lawyers out there, but there's very few lawyers that know the game laws, you know, know in and out. And right. uh, so I hired one of those to go along with the team, you know. And uh, so I'm not going to say they, they they all hit it off together, you know. And I started getting more answers. But all of a sudden, one day, they called me and said, uh, you know, uh, we need to come down to your duck club and talk to you, and we want to see the duck club. Well, I know it's serious now for that lawyer and his other lawyer, one of his lawyers that works for his firm, and uh, and uh, uh, my other lawyer is going to come, and I got three lawyers and an investigator all going to show up at my duck club and drive two and a half hours to get there. I can see the dollar size rolling, you know, and I think, what do they want? We need to talk to you. So here they come, and we all went to the duck club. We want to see how this all works. Showed them how we wrote people's stuff down, all this here. Even the gal wanted, the one gal lawyer wanted to shoot a gun, you know, so we shot some crap and whatever. So we're sitting there, and he said, well, we need to talk to you. And uh, I had a bunch of lounge chairs and stuff. We were all just taking it easy in there. He said, here's what they've offered. 
And at the time, I'm thinking, no matter what this is, I've looked up the case law, and I know what the worst I've seen and all this. I ain't seen nobody go to jail yet. And I'm thinking, well, probably going to jerk my license for a year. Probably going to pay $20,000, fine, you know, and they're going to put me on probation and, uh, you know, whatever. That's what I'm figuring from what I've looked at compared to what mine is. So I said, well, what do you got? And said, well, you're going to be a, I think he said, $60,000, $70,000 fine. I go, what? Wait a minute. $60,000, $70,000 fine and five months in uh, prison or in jail. And I'm freaking out now. This is like, I just freaked, you know. I go, what are you talking about? You know, I'm getting ready to fire them all. I'm ready to fire them all right here in my duck club. And something else, and you lose your license for three years or something. I go, you guys are nuts. Look, they said, look, it was, you know, and this was in, I don't know when it was. It was like the following November or something, or December. It's getting close to Christmas. I do remember that. Because I'm going to make a decision. They said, well, this is, what this is the best they're offering. We've been back and forth and back and forth, and this is why we all come down there, because we knew it was going to be a shock to you, but we're going to tell you this over the phone. But this is serious, and this is what you're going to get. And I said, I sat there, you know, and just about ready to tears run out of your eyes. You know, what are you talking about? You know, jail time and all this money and all this. And so I said, well, you got me something i got to think about. Well, we can fight it, but it costs it. Okay. So I talked to my, uh, the investigator's good friend of mine. I said, what do you think? He goes, dude, I'm not kidding you. He goes, I'm your friend first. He said, I'm telling you right now, it's the best we're going to get. He said, they're working their butt off to get this. I talked to the other lawyer and he said, well, here's what I think happened. I think they give something away at the beginning of this. And now they got you. And he said, I'm just telling you. Uh, so I sat and thought about it and thought about it. It's getting close to Christmas. And I'm thinking, I got to make a decision here pretty quick. You're going to want to know something. Almost set my family down at Christmas and told them what this was, but it, that's hard to go tell your family, you know. Look, I'm yep. stuck. I'm getting ready to go away for five months, you know, and whatever, and I'm paying off. So I didn't say nothing to them at Christmas. Went ahead and had Christmas. So we were leaving like four or five days after that to head to Colorado to go to uh, uh, my daughter, my daughter, and uh, my camera guy, which is now, you know, my son-in-law. We're getting ready to go to the shop show and go to Denver to a show. We're getting ready for a long trip to go. And we got to take off. We got talking about this. We were somewhere, I'll never forget, somewhere at a hotel. And I was thinking about it. And I was, went, got up super early in the morning, went working out at the gym. And I just went and got on the phone and called my attorney. And I said, let's just do it and get it over with. Do the five months. Do this here. Do this. I'll just do it and go, where do I go? And I'll say, well. Let me call him and tell him, you know, we did this. You know, we're working along hard. But he goes, I have to call him because they got to accept it, you know, and everything. He said, but they've done through it on the table, but now it's all going to be signed. Calls him back. They said, no, nope, uh-uh, we're going for the throat. After they already said, this is what we're going to do, pulled that away. And I always figured it's because I said, wow. yeah. But yeah, pulled that away and went for more. So now I'm mad. I'm like, well, what do they want? Oh, dude, they yeah. want you bad. So, and uh, so then it went on from there. You know, that went into another negotiating deal for three or four months. You know, but this just kept going on and on and on and on. You know? And this is like a never-ending thing. So finally, at the end, we just say, you know, this is what we'll do. You know, and they threw this on the table. He does this, this, and this, and this, and they wouldn't back off of it. Then. So, 
that's when we agreed to it. But one part of the one part of the sentencing, it was uh, 13 months. They gave me six months on one offense, like the illegal sale of wildlife, you know, on the shooting over. And then uh, the Lacey Act, they gave me seven months. Okay, give me six months, so 13 months. Now, when you go to prison for something like that, and you've got two sentences like that, six, seven months, or a year, or two years, or whatever, 95, you look it up, 95% of them ride together. And what I'm saying is, if, if anybody, I, I was the only one, anybody that was in prison with that, if they had two offenses down there, and one was four months on something, and one was eight months on there, one was seven years, and three years on there, that three years rode along with that seven, and they got out in seven years. You follow what I'm saying? They run them concurrently, yeah. Not concurrent. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of that word. Yeah, concurrent. They run them concurrent. Well, not mine. You served the six and the seven. Wow. And that was the, that was the killer at the end, you know. That, so, yeah. It's, uh, Jeff, do you yeah, think if, I never, if, if that day that they came to your camp, the, your lawyers came to the duck camp and mm-hmm. told you this deal you were being mm-hmm. offered. If you had taken it that day, mm-hmm. do you think they would have signed it, or do you think they were just setting you up to see will he fold? Nah, he fold let's go deeper. Now, I thought it was it, they, it was a try. There's no doubt in my mind it was crying. Yeah. Well, if he, you know, okay. and I was scared. I was I was scared, and it worked opposite. I was scared that if I did jump on it. Then they would go for the throat and go for more. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that would look sure. like, oh, he'll jump on this here. We're going for more. You know, that's what I was afraid of. And I told my attorneys that. And I said, well, they could. And then, uh-uh, they pulled the rug out after that. Yeah. So I don't think, there wasn't even an argument. They just wouldn't do it. So that made yeah. me think they were fishing for, you know, and they do that, you know. I mean, they, uh, they were just fishing to see what he'll do. Is he going to fight this? Is he going to do it? But I'd already been told my attorneys, look. You're already so much money into this, you know, it's going to cost you another 50000 to go to court, and you're probably going to end up with that felony. You know, you won't go to jail probably, and your fine will be a lot less, but you're going to get that felony, you know, and your gun's done. You know? So then you got to go back to drawing board, and how much is that gun worth to you? Right. Is it worth 13 months of your life and a big fine or whatever? How much is your gun worth to you? So that's when I ended up making the decision I did. That was totally off the table for you, right? Excuse me? Yeah, it was for me. I was like, no way. Now, I mean, I wanted to fight. Don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to fight the case. Because I kept thinking, and I kept telling my attorneys, I said, yeah, but you don't get it. This is federal, and there won't even be a jury. It's probably going to, you know, the the judge will make a decision from it. You know, and even if you had a jury, this is what it's going to cost. And, you know, so you're, by now, they're money you out. Times went by. You know, got nothing coming in. Everything I got's going out. I'm looking at no matter what, seventy some thousand are, you know, fine. I'm going to have to, you know. So you just start looking there. This money in you from one end. You know, I got a divorce that's money me out. You know, I had a patent lawsuit deal that was money me out. I had all this stuff crashing all at once here. Pretty soon you got to have an end to this. And it just, you know, yeah. Did I want to fight him? Yeah, because I felt like. I felt like this. I felt like if I go tell this in front of a jury, twelve people, right there, they're going to they're going to find me. They're probably going to take my license away from me. 
I can't believe anybody's going to put you in a federal prison for shooting a duck, you know. And and once they hear the story that we've been telling, I'm thinking they're not going to let me off the hook, but it'll be a fair sentence. Mm-hmm. But pretty soon they money out. So, and and then the lawyers keep time. Well, they win ninety five percent of the time, you know. So they don't like it if you don't plea bargain. So anyway, so that's when I finally just said. You know, talked and talked to my attorneys and all this, and my one attorney kind of said this. He goes, Jeff, you have been going 10,000 miles an hour for 15 years. You've been going as hard as you can freaking go. He said, go take this as a vacation. Get away from it all. Just get your mind right. Get away from it. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to work hard on you regardless. Get away from this. You're going through divorces. You've been this. You've been this. Just go get away from it. When he said that, and he said, and he's a hunter. And he said, when you get done with all this, you're gonna wish you had that gun and down here duck hunting with us. And I thought, I ain't taking my gun no matter what. So you know, let's have at it. So that's why I made that decision. Well, Jeff, look, I think we probably got one more episode, and that's next week. I want I want to talk about that in the courtroom next week mm-hmm. before you went to prison. There, there's a lot to talk about as it pertains to being in prison itself. Whew, well, that's wind. what I tell you. <laughs> Unless this is going to be, yeah, I'm sorry. That's what I was going to tell you. If uh, to me, the meat and potatoes of this is in the this is looking at the next one, and I can't tell you all that one episode. <laughs> you know, the jail yeah, time yeah. alone is something that people should know about. You know, and. Uh, you know, I think that's a, that's an episode, of the end. and that'll kind of be the end of it, and then how what's happened since. But uh, yeah, and that's the part I want to come to the end of this. How I want to say it at the end. So yeah, yeah, I think you got a couple of them, Rocky. <laughs> yeah, we we still got a couple episodes left because there there is some. Uh, I want to I want to talk about the human side of this. Look, we we, we when we look at stuff in the past. And we just tell the story. It's it's just a story, but there there's a human involved in this story with a lot of emotions. And I know guys don't want to talk about man, this tough deal going to prison. Think about this as you listen to me. He went to prison over ducks. Think about that for a second. It's absolutely crazy to me. I understand finding you the maximum amount, giving you probation from hunting for four or five years, but you went to prison behind bars for a duck. Federal prison. <laughs> Not state prison, federal. A big difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's whole lot I, I think for most normal people, Nothing. that's a nightmare situation. Well... Yeah. You know, if people think of, if you actually get down to the point, you're thinking prison, right? You're thinking, oh, my God, go to prison. Well, if you actually got to go, one of the first things you think, well, when am I going to get out? You know, I know these guys, you know, how much my time? I'm going to say half my time. You know, I'll be, you know, we're going to be 13 months. You know, heck, I'll be out in six and a half months. I'll just do this. Uh-uh. That's state. That ain't federal. Federal, you spend 87% of your time in there, and the rest of that when you come out is in a halfway house. So no, you ain't getting out. You ain't getting out no free pass. You know, so that was the other part of it. You know, that was the next step when they told me it's federal and this. Well, with something else we got to. You, I'll be out in six months. Oh no, you won't. Mm-hmm. 
you'll be wow. out in 12 months, and then you're going to go into their halfway house, probably, you know. So, yeah, so the next part, that's what I'm saying, this next part of it, it gets pretty, you know, you know, it's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff happens. So. I want to ask you, about, I'm trying to lighten the situation starting off next week, Jeff. You know, one of the most things, okay. one of the most talked about things pertaining to you going to court was your chosen attire that day. I've seen more comments <laughs> online about what you wore to court that day, the day of sentencing. Well, that, that's where we'll start at next week. I'm going to look. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's so many I never pictures. understood that myself, but whatever. There's so many pictures of that circulating around the internet. Well and it's not uh, just one day of court, it was every day I went to court. Every time I went. You know, it was the biggest one's the one uh, you showed a picture of here a while back, you know, me coming out of the uh Canada courthouse, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, that's the story that I'm I i want to make sure and show you you know, tell you the Canadian side of it too, because that was that kind of puts perspective on this whole thing, the Canadian thing did. And uh, that's about a 20-minute story probably there. But, uh, yeah. The choice when of shade. Yeah. You know, at the time, at the time, I'm just going to say this. I ride Harley. Rode them for years. That's what I do. Whatever. So, I, I you know, I had, it was bright outside. It was summertime. It was, you know, I put sunglasses on. At the time, white sunglasses were cool. So I had a pair, you know. That's what I had in my luggage. Big deal, you know. I mean, I don't know. I want somebody to write. I want need somebody needs to write a book on what you're supposed to wear to court, what you're supposed to wear to a wedding, and what you're supposed to wear when you die. You know, I haven't seen that book yet. So, and in terms of that rule book, I ain't seen that yet. So, I, yeah. So, I, anyway, like Some I said, with the face paint, put it, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's real simple. Um, I wore the face paint because that's what I did. I wore what I wore because that's what I wear, you know. <laughs> I'm not the I'm not the polo shirt, and you know, and I'm not that and slacks. I'm not that guy, you know. Doesn't you know? Not that guy. So, well, like I said, I I, I want to talk. There, there's a human side to this, and I, I want to talk about that next week. I, I want to dive off into that, and. Like I said, we'll we'll cover that in the first part of it. But man, there's a there's a lot of days when you're walking through the lunch line at prison, and hey, what you what you what you do mm-hmm. to get in here? I shot a duck. Mm-hmm. Boy, mm-hmm. I bet that that just there's yeah. respect around the prison, doesn't it? That you were there for. Well, first thing first thing I think you're a narc. First thing, you bought man. What are you talking about? She shot yeah. a duck. Hey, no end. Yeah. <laughs> I can, oh, dude, I got misdemeanors. Hey, nobody in here with misdemeanors. Hey, well, hang on. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of prison stories to tell. And, and then Good. they're jailhouse lawyers, and they do, you know, they'll figure you out. Believe me, if you're an ARC or some kind in there, oh, they'll figure it out. I've seen what happens to them. But and then I'm like, oh, look it up, boys. And that's why I kept telling them, look it up, boys. And I came back, man, you did shoot a duck. Who did you, you know, that's all. You know, that's what I got, yeah. Yeah. And there's stories of talks with the wards and all that there, so there's a lot of them. Well, we'll start on that next week. We will start on that next week, Jeff. 
thank you again, Bill. I appreciate you being here. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.